This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. A couple of episodes ago, I had Eric Good from Fort Lauderdale on, and we talked quite a bit about doing release work and clearing the dog's head. Really good feedback from that show from everybody. So I brought Eric back today because during the show, we had mentioned uh, some hard surface tracking that Eric's doing down in Fort Lauderdale. And obviously, Fort Lauderdale is a decent sized city, so um, it's not tracking out in the middle of the woods or anything. So I thought it'd be fun to talk to Eric today about some hard surface tracking that he's doing. It sounds like they're having pretty good success doing some of this. So uh, tracking is always a hot topic. Everybody, you know, there's a million ways to do it. And everybody's got opinions on it. So we thought we'd do a quick show today, just talking about a few of the principles that Eric is doing down there that they're having good success with. So how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate your time again. I know last time we talked about that you're the, the head trainer there for Fort Lauderdale and you have uh, eight or nine patrol dog teams, plus you help out with some detection. All of your patrol dog teams, if I remember right, they're single purpose patrol dog teams. That's correct. And for the, your work, are, do your, do you do like in my agency, uh, when I was in patrol canine, we, we set very, very good perimeters and we would just go yard to yard and do a systematic area search. Do you do that and track or is most of your work a larger perimeter and then tracking a suspect? We do that and track. So we set really good perimeters and we tracking's our go-to. And then uh, we fall back on going yard to yard. You know, if, if we lose the track or, you know, if it's a super small block, then, you know, sometimes it'd be smarter just to go yard to yard. But, you know, we don't always have a bunch of dogs working. There might only be one or two of us. So if we can sure. track, we prefer to track. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where we track outside the perimeter and we adjust the perimeter, you know, and come to find out the guy beat us outside the perimeter and, you know, we end up getting the guy or we, we track to an apartment door and we're able to knock and get the guy in custody. So um, tracking has just been really valuable for us. And, and there's a huge emphasis on it here. You know, it takes a lot of time. It's probably the most time intensive training that we do, but that's what makes it fun, right? There's, to me, to me, there's nothing more rewarding than than tracking to a guy and finding him. That to me is the ultimate. So I guess that's that'll be one of my first questions. Is on a training day, um, I assume you're you're doing training tracks every single training day. Yeah, and we track we track every single night. So we we tracking is is that much of a priority? We're not just tracking every week or every other week in training. Actually, our training nights we kind of gear more towards scenario based stuff and we end up tracking later in the night, but on the nightly basis, we're running training tracks. Okay. And that's, that's one of my questions is cause I'm sure you've seen it too, where I've seen guys tell me how they track, but then every other or every third Wednesday during when they're bored on a training night, they'll go to a golf course and kick, kick their feet into the ground across uh, fresh grass and say they track. And I'm assuming if you're having success, that's not at all what you're doing. No, no. I, I mean, you, you have to, you have to put in a lot more effort than that. Um, 
for, for tracking, especially in these urban environments where it's a lot of hard surface and um, a lot of fences and the properties are super small. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury of tracking across, you know, through wooded areas and big lush green yards. So, so what's your training progression for what you're doing down there? So I like to start on hard surface. Hard surface is the most difficult for the dogs, in my opinion. And, and I think starting there uh, makes transitioning to grass easy. So, and, and before we get into that, I kind of wanted to cover like a typical reward scale, scale for most of our police dogs. Okay. And, and kind of get guys thinking about what do you run in a training track to? Um, you know, for a typical police dog, the most valuable reward is probably going to be a bite, right? So um, secondary would be like a toy, you know, with a game of tug with the handler. Maybe third is, you know, a dead toy. And then the lowest on the on the reward scale typically would be food. So, and we can probably all agree that the most desirable tracking behavior would be a more methodical tracking behavior as opposed to a dog that's erratic and um, overexcited. So if we think about the reward scale, we should be utilizing, in my opinion, food to start the dog on tracking so we can get hundreds and hundreds of repetitions with the dog tracking in a calmer state of mind um, in a where he's it's more conducive for learning because the the value of the reward is not is not you know over the top so similar to when we talked about release work it's getting the the mindset right at the very beginning where the dog can actually where you can communicate with the dog and train him absolutely like the the dog is going to problem solve a lot better if the reward is you know some some pieces of kibble or hot dog, as opposed to the reward being a bite where he's just out of his mind and running all over the place and hoping to win the guy. Sure. And, and if you think about a natural tracking behavior, a wolf in the wild would, would track for food. So there's, there's that natural aspect of it. So we're not fighting nature if we're utilizing food in the beginning, but don't be discouraged. You're not going to use food forever. So we're going to use food for the foundation. And we're going to transfer over to a toy and eventually there's going to be some bites in there. We're going to limit those, but there's going to be bites in there. And um, because ultimately that's the goal, right? We might track and find a guy and have to bite him. So um, the dog has to know that that possibility exists. But, um, you know, you hear that, oh, food is bad. Food is bad. You know, you don't want the dog searching for food. So with this method... The dog never searches for food. The reward is food, um, but he never actually searches for food. So the dog tracks to an article, and the article produces the food. We we you know reward the dog then with food. So that kind of gets rid of that old argument of I don't want my dog searching for food. You know while I'm searching in this you know in the middle of this neighborhood with chicken bones everywhere. So the food will come from the handler when he finds an article, then the, the handler will deliver the food. Absolutely. Okay. I like that better than putting hot dogs in the grass or something. Right. Right. And, and sometimes you might have to resort to laying food along the track. I, I try to avoid it. And most of the time I can, but there are some rare cases where, you know, I'll have to throw a little food down on the track for, for maybe two or three tracks just to get the dog to really, um, 
stay focused long enough. And, and we'll get into that a little bit, but, um, and this method, um, it, it works for retraining your dog. So, you know, my last dog, he was a great tracking dog already, but I retrained him with this method and had the best tracks of my career. Um, taught him to be more methodical, to work slower, to work with no tension on the leash. So he's not pulling around a 200 pound guy, you know, wearing himself out. Uh, and so we had the longest tracks of our career because he's not exhausted, you know, you know, two blocks into it. So, so basically we're starting with hard surface and we're going to teach the dog to point at an article. Um, you know, basically point, start with a small bowl. Um, I point at the bowl. When the dog puts his nose on the bowl, I drop a piece of food. Pink. The food hits the bowl. The dog's paid. Very quickly, the dog learns. I put my nose on the bowl. Food comes raining down. Um, if the dog looks up at my hands, I, I just close my hands and nothing happens. If he gets locked in that position, I'll point at the bowl again. And very quickly, the dog learns, okay, I put my nose on the bowl. I get paid. And then we shrink down the item from a bowl down to a, a small washer. So you're going to progress down to, you know, a washer that's about a half an inch wide, so like a metal washer. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so we can nail that into the pavement or use pavers. Um, I like to start with pavers and we're, we're nailing it in there and we're pointing at the washer. And this is, you know, um, this comes from, I don't want to say this is the Dick Stahl method because it's, I don't want to offend him. Um, <laughs> you know, he's phenomenal at what he, he does. Yeah, he's very good. Um, and I, I attended his class and it, it was great. And I took some from it and, and kind of made it my own a little bit. Um, but it's, it's different than what he does, but some of it comes from him. But um, anyway, so now, now he, the dog learns to point at the washer. So now we start the back chaining. And um, I like to use distilled water. So we'll put a gallon of distilled water and, you know, a one gallon pump sprayer. I'm going to lay a 15 foot track. I'm going to spray out a nice wide spray of water on the, on the pavers, walk about 15 feet, nail the paver in turn around and walk back along the same track. So now I, I come up, I grab my dog, walk to the end of the track. I don't expect him to do anything on the track at this point because he doesn't know how to track yet. And I point at the washer. When I point at the washer, he downs and points at it. And so I get the article indication and I pay him there. So he gets about five or 10 pieces of food. And then I pull him back. I pull him away from the washer I have to be mindful that my feet stay on the track that I created uh, in that line of water, that I'm not creating a new track. So I pull him back, you know, maybe a foot the first time, maybe three feet the second time, and I keep pulling him back, pulling him back, and the dog's going to want to shoot to where the washer is um, to get paid. Now, he might cheat the first half, you know, the first two feet and then put his nose down the last two feet. And that's fine because the dog's using his nose to learn, all right, the human scent leads me to this washer, which is what gets me paid. And that's what we call back chaining, you know, starting with the end result, the end result being the pointing at the washer. And then, um, and then we just increase that distance, right? So now I'm pulling the dog back further and further. And, and I, I like to get rid of the back chaining pretty quickly. So, um, you might do, let's say, four to eight tracks like this with back chaining. Some dogs take less. But when I walk out, 
and I go up to, to a new fresh track and my dog puts his nose down on the water and starts working it before I command him to, or before I point at the washer, because we haven't gotten to the washer yet. And then I know now I'm ready to get rid of back chaining. So now I'm going right to the start of the track. So the dog understands to work the odor. Um, I'll take him out, bring him to the start of the track. Um, I'll present the track, try and keep them interested. Usually they, they, they nail it, but occasionally you'll get a dog that's easily distracted and he picks his head up while, you know, present the track again and, and get him focused. And then boom, he gets the washer and he gets paid. So that's the foundation, right? So now you can start laying, you know, you can run four to six tracks easily in an hour. Um, they're all, you know, about 30 to 50 feet long. And so now you're doing that every night. You're running your own tracks. You don't need a decoy. Um, so master tracks or daddy tracks, some people call them. And you're still using distilled water at this point? Yep. So at this point, I'm still using distilled water. And I'm going to add turns. Um, and after I add turns, I'm pretty much going to get rid of the distilled water. I'm going to start phasing it out. I'm going to phase the, the water out by just going, let's say, 10 feet of water and then three feet of no water, you know, and so that's how we're going to phase it out um, and just, you know, progress from there. Depending on how the dog's doing, you're going to phase out the water. It doesn't take too long. It, and the water is basically just an idea to, to show the dog, get your nose down and here. It just helps the dog kind of learn the behavior. It's not, obviously, it's a short-term thing at the beginning. Right. It, so the distilled water, and it has to be distilled because if it's not um, regular water, it can have chlorine in it. And that can, so the, the water holds the human odor that falls off our bodies. And if it has chlorine in it, the theory is that the chlorine will, you know, degrade the human odor. Okay. Good point. So we use distilled water. And yeah, it's just a crutch. And it makes a really nice visual for the handler in the beginning, especially when you're doing you're doing turns and, um, you know, um, adding all that stuff. It's a nice visual for the, for the handler. And, and yeah, like you said, we, we fade that out and we just start increasing the distance and, um, and then we're going to get to adding grass pretty soon. And, um, and, and that's pretty simple. Yeah. So you'll just go from a hard surface and then you'll go into the grass for a little bit and then back to start transitioning surfaces. Exactly. So once we go to grass, now the dog already knows how to point at an article. Um, I'll take a washer and put it on a golf tee because the dog already understands the washer. And now I'm going to teach him the golf tee. And I'll walk a straight line like I'm walking on a, a tightrope. And each footfall, I'm going to you know, give it a little extra oomph into the grass and, and a little extra crushed vegetation because now I want the dog to work work the actual crushed vegetation from the the path of the tracking. I find, find that that helps with the accuracy. And um, in every every other footstep, I'm going to put a golf tee. So I might run 10 steps the first track, and every other footstep's a golf tee, and we'll bring them up, start them from the beginning of the track, present the track um, right into a washer. The dog you know, is going to down on it. You're going to pay him there, same way you would on the, on the hard surface. And then you're going to pick up your article and present again and then they're going to go to the next footstep and the next footstep and just like everything else you're going to progress you're going to slowly start you know stretching out your golf tees 
and then uh, and then like you said you're going to incorporate hard surface and grass together um, you're going to transition the surfaces from one to another back and forth and and at this point you're still you're setting your own tracks at this point yeah so still running my own tracks and um and i you know there has to come a point where someone else has to run your tracks right but you know i'll go back that you know my dog's been working for three years now and already training i'll go back and run him a, a master track now you know i i think that it helps um but we get to the point he's got to track other people we got to add cross contamination we got to have people cross the track so um and we do that pretty early on so while while you're running your track for your dog and i'm standing out there as the trainer i'll walk across your track um you know in the first week of, of tracking and the dog will usually show it show an indication that there's human odor there but nothing happens right so the dog does not get rewarded for it um so we we add those cross tracks right away and the dog learns i gotta follow target human odor otherwise nothing happens and i imagine you're doing this basically in one of your neighborhoods where you're actually going to be working at this point yeah and then and then you're going to progress out to the neighborhoods and go to high contaminated areas and um and and just keep the progression going just like any other tracking training you got to make it realistic at the end right what is what is the time frame from when you first started when you were doing the short tracks with the the food at the end to now when you're when you're moving out to start doing the neighborhood what's the time frame and about how many training days do you think I and mean, was the dog done hundreds of tracks at that point or where are you at on that? Um, so without doing, without doing the math, cause I haven't done the math, but usually, usually about two months, um, we can start moving out into contaminated areas. So, um, our canine schools are, are three months long. So at about two months, we can, we can go out into the contaminated areas and start making it very realistic for the handlers. Okay. But, um, I, I like to really set that foundation. So he's going to, oh, he's going to overlearn all of these simpler tracks big time before you actually set him up in a harder area. Yeah. He's going to be very proficient at that and very proficient at transitioning from surface to surface, making sure the dog does not miss any articles. So we'll mark the article. I'll take a big step off to the side and put a little bit of chalk down. So I know where the articles are. I know where every turn is. Um, and that's really important that you're very precise in your training. Um, and, and then once the dog's not missing any articles and he's downing and, you know, on the footsteps on the articles, then, and, and now we've got four or five articles on one track and the tracks, you know, 200 yards long, um, and the dog's not missing anything. Now we can start going into more contamination. Okay. What do you do when the dog misses an article or misses a turn? What's the, what do you do? What, what's the handler do to, to, you know, do you just plant your feet till the dog figures it out or what do you do? Yeah. So, and that's, that's a tough question. Really good question. Cause um, you know, not many people want to correct the dog while tracking and, and I understand that philosophy. So um, what we'll do is we'll just plant our feet, like you said, and let the dog kind of correct himself so he goes two feet past the washer. I'm planting, and the dog's gonna kind of get a little pop um, from from us planting, and and go, oh, what was that? And then 
they're going to go, okay, I missed something, you know, because if not, we'll direct them back to it. And do you do the same with a turn or do you do something different? So same with a turn, except um, on a turn, I'm going to give them a little more than two feet to correct themselves. Um, you know, I might give them eight or 10 feet and, and keep in mind, like where we work, I can't work my dog on a 30 foot line, even on yeah. a 15 foot line. Like I'm, I'm rarely out past 10 feet. I, I just, we can't do it because we have bums everywhere. I mean, I just can't risk biting a bum or coming around a corner. There's people everywhere. So I love seeing these guys tracking on 30 footers or 50, whatever it is. I mean, awesome. And the more room you can give yourself, the better, the safer, but it's just not practical for where we work. So if the dog passes the turn by eight feet, um, you know, about eight feet, I'm going to stop them. And, and that precision is important for us when we have these tiny yards, you know, um, I need to know exactly what yard he went into. Sure. I can't know, you know, I don't have time to go into every single yard. And that leads me to the next point, which I think is huge for, um, for tracking in these urban environments. And that's getting an alert over a fence. When, when a guy jumps a fence or jumps over a wall, I want my dog to alert on that by climbing, trying to climb, putting his front paws up on that wall, exactly where the guy jumped over. And that precision is going to give me, a lot better opportunity to get on the other side of that fence and get back on that track quickly. Because if the guy, you know, jumped at the corner of a yard that leads into two or three different yards, when I go around, I want to know exactly what yard I need to go into. I don't want to go into three different yards before I reacquire that track. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Because time is important, especially as you know, the tracks expiring. A lot of the dogs, Previously, they would learn this fence alert or wall alert on their own through time. But I said, let's just teach it. You know, let's teach it from the beginning. And and now we do that. And we start out with um, with stairs. So we'll go back to the water and we spray water up the stairs and down the stairs. And the dog learns that he can track up, you know, he can track down. And, um, and then we move to a wall. Spray the water up the wall. And the guy climbs up the wall and leaves a little extra odor on the wall. And, um, and it seems to work out well. And do you have trouble if like, if it's a big fence, do you have trouble if you got to go from yard to yard to go back and get the dog to reacquire the track at the bottom of the fence? If you've, if you've gone around something. No, we, we train for that. Right. So we got to set that up in training. So you got to track to this wall. Sometimes you get to go over and you get to go right back on the track. And sometimes we got to go around and sometimes it involves getting back in the car and driving around and um, capping the dog back into that track and acquiring that part of the track. And, 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 you know, that's part of the training as well as um, teaching the dogs to get that initial alert on the track. You know, you got to set that up. You got to make sure the handlers are proficient at it and proficient at reading it and um, that the dogs are going to pick it up on the first, first try as well. Yeah, I like that. And when you were talking about the the correction, so basically the only correction you'll usually do is just plant your feet and let the dog reacquire either the the turn or the article. Is there any is there any physical correction or verbal correction or anything? No. Nope. Um you know, unless the dog is piss sniffing or trying to pick up some food on the ground. Um and then we'll set that up and, and that will come with a correction and a 
sometimes a verbal, sometimes not, sometimes no verbal. Yeah. But, um, but, but that comes with the correction, but no, um, I don't, I don't like to correct a dog for a mistake. Um, you know, if, if there's intention to, to do something he knows I don't want him to do, I, I would correct him for that. But if the dog makes a mistake and blows a downwind turn, you know, the wind's at our back and there's a turn, that's a tough turn. The dog goes a little bit by it. Um, I would like to see him correct himself. And, and that's the goal of this whole method is, um, keeping that natural pace and no tension on the line as much as possible. So the dog learns to problem solve on his own. So if the dog goes six or eight feet by the turn, I'm hoping that he's going to go, Oh, I missed a turn and he's going to circle back and cap himself back into the track and continue on. So that's the goal, right? Like the goal would be, well, two goals in tracking, in my opinion, one would be, I want to be able to hand the leash, not that I would ever do it, but hand the leash to someone and go, Hey, work my dog on this track. The guy knows nothing about canine and he just follows my dog and the dog nails the track. That's one goal, right? And then the other goal is we want the tracking behavior, the behavior itself to be the reward. So when my dog gets to the article and he alerts, he's more interested in continuing on tracking than he is actually getting the reward. So Yeah, that makes sense. So that brings to mind a question I have then is that so if your dog is he's doing a longer track maybe a difficult track, he's got his nose down and he's working it really good. Do you have any marker that you can use to let him know he's doing good right there, a verbal or anything? So I'll, I'll use a good or, or praise him there, but I, I don't I don't have a specific marker and I don't have a mark and release for that. Like if the dog's just doing good in a specific area where I'll say, you know, let's say yes, and the dog comes back to me and is and is rewarded with a toy for just – tracking no i don't have that i've heard of that and you know could it i like it. it it sounds good but um i i will praise them later on in the beginning foundational stage where the dog is learning to track i want it to be all about him and him learning on his own and the dog figuring it out and through the track paying him the track is what's going to pay him um i'm not telling him good when he nails a turn because then he's going to rely exactly. on me but that brings up the point of, yeah, so now about, you know, eight, 10 weeks into this, this tracking, um, we're going to change up the reward and we're going to go to a toy. So now the dog alerts to the article and I'm going to mark it and the dog comes back to me and gets his toy. So that brings it to a, a newer level of excitement. And, and now we have to work on keeping the dog, you know, calmer and more methodical. So some dogs after getting a toy reward we might have to actually go back and go to food for a little bit and go hold on calm down a little bit we need some more reps of you more relaxed and then now comes into play is that before we can deploy on the street the dog needs to know that he he can bite at the end of a track or there there may be a bite at the end of the track so um and that's going to increase the level of excitement there too so during the canine school i'll probably do for a new dog, let's say about five tracks to bites. And they're all going to be either prosthetics or, um, a hidden sleeve. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to do a suit and I'm not going to do a sleeve, you know? Um, and, and after that, I might never run a track to a bite ever again with that dog. 
you know? And I think that's a, that's a good point too. Cause yeah. Cause we get, you know, if people haven't paid attention, we can get beat up pretty good by calling them reward bites or saying that every time the dog tracks, he's going to bite somebody. So I think, you know, like you say, he said it in his mind that this could happen, but make the track the, the reward, not, not the dog that thinks he's going to go out and bite at the end of it every single time. Backing up just a, a hair when you talked about how sometimes you have to go back and you've introduced a toy and then you got to go back and use some food to calm the dog down. I imagine maybe there's a, a few dogs that maybe aren't as high in track drive that when food's not working, can you introduce a toy earlier just to bring that drive up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, every dog is different. I mean, we've had, you know, dogs in our unit or a dog that we, we could run every track to a bite for that dog because the dog was just naturally so methodical on his own. He was just a, a, a methodical dog that he didn't get overexcited and he did better when it was to, you know, to a bite at the end. He, he kind of needed that level of excitement, right? So, you know, you got to train the dog in front of you. Sure. So here's a question I have, you know, based on the fact that, you know, most of your apprehensions, it sounds like, are are with some type of hard surface tracking and you're having good success with that. When you selection test a dog, are you doing some stuff to see, does this, because a lot of these dogs will obviously track in the grass. Is there a part of your selection test that's helping you get that success down the road by, by getting the right dog in the beginning? So we used to, we used to do it um, previously before we started the, using these hard surface tracking methods. And, and the reason I say that is, um, you know, at one point we were, we were almost all shepherds in our unit because tracking is so important to us. And we loved the way the shepherds were tracking and we were using more traditional tracking methods of, you know, scuffing grass and starting on grass but, um, you know, we wanted to learn a way that, hey, can I take that super high drivey Malinois and make him track like a, a methodical shepherd? You sure can. You know, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's what we wanted to, and, and me specifically, I wanted to play around with it. So, um, you know, I was one of the first ones to get one of those types of dogs and and try it out and show that we can do it. And so, um now with these methods, I don't test for tracking. Um, I think with these methods, we can get any dog to track and track very, very well. So if the dog, um, has, if the dog has good hunt, you're going to be able to, to get him to track, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If the dog, if the dog wants to hunt, he's, he's going to be a good tracking dog. Yeah. I mentioned that because it drives the, the comment about the mouths drives me crazy when people tell me that mouths don't track. It's like, go to Holland and you'll, some of the best actually the best hard surface tracks I've seen was with the Dutch uh, national police watching them do hard surface tracking with all Malinois. So it's certainly a myth that kind of drives me crazy that you have to have a shepherd to track. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's, what's great about these methods. We found a way to get these, those types of dogs tracking, you know, just as nice as a, as a shepherd. And yeah. One of the things I'll throw out real quick before we wrap this up is when we talked about some uh, corrections and going back to, I took a, a group of cops over, uh, used some of the connections I've been fortunate to make over the years. I took a group of cops over about two years ago and we did a whole tour of all Holland. We went to to the Dutch uh, uh, police for both uh, detection and for patrol and to some vendors and uh, houses where they raise puppies. Got to see everything, KNVP and all that. 
But one of the things when we were watching the Dutch uh, police do their initial tracking that I thought was kind of cool was they would be out doing hard surface tracking and they would have the trainer would lay the track. They'd bring the handler um, out. And I don't know exactly at what point of training they were in the day we were watching, but it was fairly early. But the handler, for the most part, it was an unknown track and was just handling the dog. The trainer would walk with them when the dog would veer off it and would, like you say, be, you know, smelling piss or something like that. Or if he veered off it and just kept going, the trainer himself would give a knock real loud and it would kind of stop the dog. The handler's job was to kind of keep moving. The dog would then, you know, get his nose back down, start correcting himself, work back into the track and go. And what they explained to us that their theory was is that the dog would look at is, you know, the handler and I are a team. This guy correcting us isn't going to be there all the time. So when they remove the handler, the dog wasn't, or I'm sorry, the trainer, the dog wasn't requiring the handler to give the knock. So uh, then the correction. So it was just kind of a unique way to kind of teach the dog early on, you know, that's not right, but it's not coming from the handler. So they removed the trainer later and the dog would still work, not being handler dependent. So I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but it was kind of a unique thing. I haven't played with it too much myself, but I liked, I liked the theory of it. Yeah, I especially like the the theory of all the unknowns for the the handler, and um, and and that's what Dick Stahl does, and and I really do like that. And we tried it out for a little bit and go, all right, we're gonna go all unknowns, and the trainer's gonna walk with you. And if you get too far off, you you know you get twenty thirty feet off, I'm gonna let you know, nope, and that's about it. And then you get back to it, but the dog does all the problem solving, and and I think that would work great in a lot of areas and yeah. would really teach the handler to read the dog. But for the areas that we're working in, I found that we just couldn't obtain the level of precision that we need okay. in these tight areas. Yeah. So I need to run, you know, if I run 10 tracks, nine of them are known to me as the handler. And, um, and one unknown so that I can keep the dog super precise. Um, so as a trainer, as a trainer, your job then as a trainer is to make sure the handler is not giving the dog too much information though, I assume. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Outstanding. Well, again, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to get back on here. I, like I said, uh, a lot of hard surface tracking in, in the middle of a city is not easy. And a lot of people, uh, I think, I think I hear one thing that drives me crazy is I it, probably like you, I hear people profess that they do it, but then I watch their training and it's on a golf course and it's not, it's like, well, no, let's go to your city and do it. So I like the fact that you're, you're doing it, you're training it and you're uh, out there catching some bad guys doing it. So if it's okay, I'll put your uh, email again in the show notes. And if people have questions about tracking or even going back to the last uh, podcast we did, do you, do you mind if they email you? No, not at all. So, I'll put, yep, I'll put that in the show notes. And like I always say, you know, Hits Canine uh, is, does a lot. We do a lot of tracking. We do a lot of our seminars. We also do hands-on seminars. So if there's a, a seminar that you're looking at where you want to do either detection or patrol or tracking, we, we have the ability to, to come to you, do a two, three, four-day seminar or whatever you need. Check out hitscanine.net for all that information. And if you need to email me, my email will be in the show notes. 
So again, Eric, thanks for the time and I appreciate uh, everything you're doing down there. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.